Hello everyone, this is Raymond Moore and you're listening to Real Men Wear Kilts podcast. Wow, it is so good to have you here. Hey, as you know, we live in Texas and believe it or not, as I am working on this podcast this very moment, there's actually a chance that we may get snowed here in North Houston. Now, this may not be a big deal to you, but personally, this is fun for me and I love it when we do get snow. It, it snows, we're able to see it, have fun, maybe throw a snowball or two, and then it melts away. So it's kind of the best of both worlds, in my opinion. But enough of that. We have a great show for you today, and I am continuing my series of interviews with our show host. And today I'm actually interviewing Andrew Lyon of Holy Smokes. Now, I do know that Sarah, his lovely wife, is part of the show, but you know what? I wanted to interview them individually so that you can really get an idea of who they are and get both of them from the personal level. In another interview, I'm actually talking to Vince Mowiski and Morgan of Maskey's Highland Food and Gear. Maskey's reached out to us and wanted to talk about their haggis. They were so good that even they sent us a sample, and I tried it last night on the Real Men Wear Kilt show, Whiskey and Things. Now, if you haven't seen that, check it out. Go see it. I made haggis three ways, and it was utterly delicious. And I have to say that I've not really ever tried haggis before, but this stuff rocks, and I really mean it. Yes, I have had some bites here and there, but Maskey's really helped delve into the haggis arena and made haggis three ways. But more about that in the interview. For the music this podcast, I'm actually going to go with a theme. And in fact, let's make this a contest and see who can guess what the theme is. I've, you know, I'm going to have some music play for you and you're going to listen to it. And if you listen to it, you should be able to pick out what that theme is. We have Lincoln Hilton and Gordon Duncan providing the music. So make sure that you listen in and I bet you can probably guess this theme. So, wonderful day today, wonderful interviews. We've got a lot going on. So let's just get things going off and hear from Lincoln Hilton. Lincoln, take it away. is Rain Moore and how are you doing today? We are having a great time today. We are continuing our, our series of interviews with the Real Men Wear Kilt show hosts and today we have Andrew Lyon. Now he and his wife Sarah uh, who I will do an interview with later time down the road host the show Holy Smokes and uh, their show is awesome. They Andrew smoked some really good cigars 
They talk about some really great life things, and it's just a fun show to watch. So I highly recommend that you tune in on Tuesdays, excuse me, Thursdays. I need my own TV guide. Thursdays at 6.30 Central Standard Time. So we got Andrew here. Hey, Andrew, how you doing, bud? I'm doing very well. How are you? Awesome. Awesome. No, I'm doing great, man. Doing great. I just got to remember what all the shows are. We're getting so many shows, I, I can't even keep them straight anymore. It's amazing that we're filling in that schedule. Like, yeah. You know, when it was just you and me, like that yeah. was that was all it was, and uh, we've now got almost wait no we've got every day if you can if, if you include the the podcast which people get to listen to throughout yeah. the week, right? Mm-hmm. But no, we yeah. um, it's great, man. We're we're doing every. I'm thinking about actually adding maybe a seven o'clock time frame. Let's roll with six thirty for a while. And once we start kind of building those numbers, then uh, maybe add the seven o'clock time frame. And things. Cool. So, uh, but first things first, do me a favor. Let's tell tell the folks a little bit about yourself, what you do, where you live, family life, kind of you know, who is Andrew Lyon? Well, hi, I guess. Um, since you've already introduced me, y'all all know that I am Andrew Lyon. Um, I live in North North Fort Worth, probably the most North Fort Worth that you can get. In fact, if you type in my zip code, you find another city named Justin. And that's yes, where they did the Justin boots. Oh, wow. so yeah, they they don't they no longer make them there. They make them in Fort Worth, but you can still go there. You still have a Justin boot like facility, and you can go in there and buy some boots. But uh, I, I digress. I'm from mm-hmm. I'm, I live in Fort Worth, but I'm a South Texas boy. I'm from mm-hmm. Corpus Christi, really? and uh, I often get people who argue with me. They're like, I don't hear any Texas in your voice. Like, well, I can't help that. It's, it's the voice I have, but I've been here my whole life. So the, um, the whole story there is Texas, born and raised. Um, I am married. I've got a wonderful wife, and that is our second time both around. And I could not imagine uh, life without somebody so supportive and loving. It's, it's amazing how that worked out in, in my life. But, you know, that could be a, a conversation for another time or maybe later in, in our in our uh, interview here. Well, but, I was just going to say, if I ask Sarah that, what's she going to say? Oh, my God. The, new, the newlywed game. Newlywed game. I love watching bloopers from that. That's, that's yeah. fantastic. Um, so when did you start wearing kilts and why? You know, I don't really know the answer to that. I um. Kind of back to your first question a little bit. I'm a tinkerer, a builder, a jack of many trades, and one of my favorite things to do is to sew. Mm-hmm. In fact, a lot of the stuff you've seen on the shows might have been stuff that I have actually sewn. Wow. In Santa jackets I sewed and, uh-huh. you know, a whole bunch of other stuff in the past. You well, some, some kilts that you've made too? I have. And that's the first time I made a uh, first time I went to a, uh, it was a Halloween party. Now, secretly, I had always wanted a kilt. But I had never, I had never bought one, and so uh, was I, I. Was not with my current loving, wonderful wife. I was with uh, somebody else. Mm. And, you know, it was uh, one of those things where they didn't think I should really have a kill. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I, you know, I, I decided it was a good opportunity for me to do that uh, during Halloween, mm-hmm. and so I made my first kill, and it was terrible. But you know what? Nobody at the party knew. Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> so, my first kilt must have been 
15, 20 years ago. And I was like, wow. Oh, wow. Somewhere wow. around the last, somewhere in the last decade, I want to say eight years ago, I bought my first kill. Um, and uh, back to the back to the previous life, mm-hmm. the the person really wasn't very happy about the kill because they thought that it was my um, vanity. They, they thought that I, I really liked being an attention, uh, you know, seeking mm-hmm. kind of person. I'll be honest with you guys. I don't think I'm the most attractive guy in the world. So I don't know why she thought that. But um, to, to more of the point, it is, I, I am a bit of an introvert. And so the extroverted side you see of me is, is uh, a trudge. So every step I take is a fight against that introverted self. And I do it on purpose because yeah. uh, it's scary. It's scary yeah. to step out your door, you know, yeah. listening to Tolkien. And so, <laughs> uh, you know, the kilt is, is interesting because it, it helps you with that. Um, I won't lie and say I don't like the attention I get. <laughs> but um, it's, it's, you know, it's that's that's been the way that I moved forward and got some of the courage to to, uh, to build up. Is hey, everything inside me says don't do this. And mm-hmm. I said, well, I must be wrong about that. Let's let's try to do something. Yeah. Now, um, did any of your ancestors, your grandfather, or anything like that, kind of plant this seed in your head, or did they wear kilts or anything? So the best of my knowledge, no. My ancestors came over. A long time ago we've been in North America for seven or eight generations which actually might predate some of the um, uh, kilt wearing Highlander times even though we were in the Highlands mm-hmm. we moved over from Perthshire and the last person in the family was uh, a rhetoric the re- a Reverend Frederick Lyon mm-hmm. and uh, I, I think you know he moved he moved here I want to say, like exactly in 1700, and then we start having the kilts rise after that. So I don't even know if any of my family wore them or even understood the tartans as they are now. Yeah, yeah. So how many kilts do you own then? Including ones that I've made? Yeah. I've got two utility kilts, which are not ter- terribly my favorite, but they have the purpose. I have uh, three kilts that I made myself out of flannel, and then I have um, I have one sport kilt, and then because uh, it's you know it's nice PV, mm-hmm. three yards of material in, in Texas. I'm telling you, you need something like that. Yeah, and then I have two what would be considered real kilts, so probably about five. But all in all, with with the way things fit and the way things are, I really only like two of them. (laughs) The others are, hey, I'm going to do something messy, and I don't mind if they get destroyed. But my Murray, my Murray one from the Scottish Kilt Company, I think that's what it's called, right? Yeah. And my Brown Watch from UT Kilts are my two favorite Mm -hmm. uh, kilts. As a matter of fact, the the, the the one from UT is so well made. It is my favorite. Mm-hmm. It is uh it is heavy. It it's it's a full one. So that's that's one that I when I saw that one, and you showed it to me. I mean that was that's a nice kill. I think you got that for 150 bucks or something like that. All wool. Um, it is a, it is his premium all wool. Yeah, 
And I think, I think with the sash with Sarah, it came mm-hmm. in at around one sixty something. One oh wow! wow. I, I, I don't know exactly. I'll, I'd have to look that up. But I yeah. And of course, our ten percent off with the yeah on kilt on. Yeah. Now, I really when when you were down here, you were showing me that kilt and everything. Now. That kilt has a really nice liner too. Am I correct? Oh, dude, that is the best liner ever. Yeah, and it beats the heck out of the one I got from uh, Scottish Kilt Co. But I also found that there is a, a, a like an upgrade right there with Scottish Kilt Co. that I didn't see. How so interesting. interesting! I would not. I would. They, theirs is polyester, and quite frankly, you can pants me in my in my Murray one. You can run along and just pull it straight off. Mm-hmm. And yeah, part of them, because most of them are like this black satin material or something, super slippery. It's black yeah. satin. And I, I constantly have to keep hiking my kilts up because of that black satin stuff. I have and to reach. Just, I run into the restroom and I reach from underneath, but I pull that lining back down. Yeah. 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 And it, yeah, it starts popping out. and it does. Yeah. Parachute. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Exactly. So your, your uh, brown watch woolly that you got from Bryce is your favorite thing? It is, and I plan on getting another from him in, in that premium uh, kilt line because he's done the best with. Um, you know, he actually blew my mind because everybody is always so stringent on you having the right size. Mm-hmm. And he he contacted me after one of Damien's shows, and I had mm-hmm. sent him my uh, my order, and he goes, "Did you measure this?" And I said, "Yeah." He goes, "You measured it at, at forty one inches," and I said, "Yes." He goes, I'm going to take off two of those inches because what I want is for the, I want the notch to be in the middle, not yeah. in the beginning or in the end, so you can go either way. And I like sat there for a few minutes just thinking how dumb I was to not mm-hmm. think about that. Yeah. <laughs> it makes so much sense. Yeah, no, Bryce's customer service is incredible. Yeah, he uh, he's he's helped me in a number a number of ways with that that too and everything. So yeah, but yeah, I've got I've got kilt envy with that, so I need to. That's that's one of that's one of my bucket lists is get one of his woolies and stuff. I really like it. And now is it, it, it is it hot then? Oh, it's warm. You know, yeah. I think I think too a lot of comments that I hear, especially on the group, when people say stuff like, "I'm new to kilting and my first one's on its way, but it's cold up here. How will I stay warm?" And I'm like, "Man, you're gonna have eight yards of, of material wrapped around your waist. You you're not gonna have problems with being." You might have yeah. cold knees. Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna yeah. have a wool wool hose and a wool, you know, towel around your waist. You're gonna be plenty warm. Mm-hmm. Now, you being the, the host of Holy Smokes and everything like that, by chance are you are you smoking a cigar right now? I am smoking a cigar right now. I don't I you know, I don't smoke nearly as much as I would like. Just life gets in the way, and this is a luxury. Mm-hmm. I tell this to I tell this to new smokers all the time. Smoking is a luxury. If you're doing it and you don't like it, I don't care how much money you've spent. Stop. Yeah, this is this should be luxury. Right now, I'm smoking a diesel. They have this uh, whiskey row sherry cask uh, robusto. It's you know it's a little five by fifty robusto. It is, and uh, I'm getting some I'm getting some wonderful flavors from that. Mostly like like the, the mole in Mexico where you have like a, a cocoa, but also a little bit of a pepper, but the sherry cask is just making it mellow. It's beautiful. Interesting. Interesting. Now, back in the day I used to smoke cigars and everything. I had to quit. It was just, 
it was not becoming a luxury anymore. It's I, I I'm I've actually run into an interesting situation because of the temperature at work and the show. I'm actually finding that I haven't smoked much, and so um, I'm always very very careful when I have new smokers to give them, mm-hmm. you know, something that's light and something that's easy and mm-hmm. something that that isn't going to to mess with them. But the majority of stuff I've bought is heavy and and, and strong. And so what's funny is I haven't smoked enough, and so I'm smoking one of those, and my belly is like, man, what are you doing for me? And so I feel like a noob all the way, but I, I guess, you know, that's what happens when yeah. you become your priority. So do me a favor. Tell me your uh, an interesting kilt story, or do you have an interesting kilt story? I hope we all do. I've got a few. One of my favorites has got to be well, you know, we all have we'll, we'll all have fantastic stories. And if you list, if, if any of y'all listened to the podcast from a couple of weeks ago with with John Miles, that man was accosted by women in Scotland. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's an amazing story. But mine is is a little a little funnier. We had uh, Sarah and I had just gotten back from I want to say it was the Andrews Night Ball, the you know St Andrews Day Ball. Or maybe it was Burns Night, or maybe we were on the way. I don't remember the ins and outs to the whole story, but somehow we ended up at Walmart trained with some uh, some beer or, or something for the party. And, uh, uh, you know, just like always, and any of you guys who are kilted out there and you go in public, somebody comes up and says, I want to know about this. And so this, this nice lady came up to me, and she's like, please tell me about this. Uh, my last name is Max something or other. And I want to know more about being kilted and love for my husband to be kilted. And, you know, it was, it was a whole bunch of interesting stuff like that. And so as we were walking through the store, and she's walking along and we're chatting, you know, I, I noticed that people were looking at me walking with two ladies. Mm-hmm. And at, we go through the checkout at the same time because she got done at the same time. And so I walked Sarah to the car. I opened her door and she sat down and I, I handed her the keys to the car and I said, let me go walk, you know, Sherry here to her car because, you know, that's what a gentleman does. I'm sorry. It's, it's the way I was talking. So I walked her to her car and I opened her door and let her in her car and gave her a, gave her my my uh, card so that she could contact me about getting kilted for her husband and the parties that I go to with the Dallas Scottish Society at the time. And I was walking back to my car, and I, there's a horn honking, just constantly honking. And I look over, and there's a Jeep, and this guy sticks his head out and goes, come here. And I walked over there to the guy, and he goes, are you wearing a kilt? And I said, yeah. He goes, did you just put your wife in the car? I'm like, soon to be. And he goes, did you just get a phone number and put another woman in a different car? And I said, well, yeah, but she wanted to know about getting kilted. He's like, so I can pick up all the ladies if I was kilted too? And I'm like, <laughs> I mean, that's not what happened, but sure. He's like, yeah, it is what happened. <laughs> he asked for my name and my number so he could get a kill too. It was, it was a pretty interesting story. I've, I've had the typical <laughs> stuff where people ask me the, the dreaded question and you've got to figure mm-hmm. out something funny, but that's probably the most wild story I got. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, now, here's something, because uh, I asked Damien this as well. Yeah, you you and Sarah are the host of Holy Smokes, and you're our official cigar aficionado. And yes. uh, you know, for our group and, and everything, how is this, uh, how is being a show host and being who you are now, 
affecting your kilted life or your, just your life in general? Well, I got two parts to that, I think. How, how has it affected my life being a show host, number one? And number two, uh, what was the second half of that question? Um, your life in general. How has it, how's it affected your kilted life? And how has it affected your, your regular life? Or has well, I'm, so I, I'll, I'll start with the first part of that because then it moves into the second. I'm sorry, I'm going to start with the second part of that because it moves into the first. The life in general has become interesting because I'm always looking for um, I'm always looking for subject matter. I'm always, you know, always looking to to have something Aaron and I to talk about in our shows, and, and we talk all week about what our show is going to be about, mm-hmm. and so. You know, I'm I'm just always on that, which has led me kilted more. Um, I probably am kilted sixty or seventy percent of the time when I'm not at work. Because uh, you know, I work I work in the oil field, and so uh, being kilted is just not an option with the safety standards we have. Yeah. But um, you know, I'm always now for um, subject matter. But I think what's funny, kind of on the on the first part of the question, like how did how is that you know affecting life? In, in our group and kilted is, uh, I think, I, and, and I do, I do love smoking cigars and I do love tasting them and I love all of that. But I think people think that uh, I am constantly with a scotch in my hands and constantly with a cigar in my hands because yeah. the snapshot that they see of me. And the reason I say that is Sarah and I were going through the Christmas presents we got. And every one of them, there, there was about seven, we now have about seven sets of rocks glasses, <laughs> different flavors, you know, one says cilantro, one says, you know, like one looks like a four leaf clover. Mm-hmm. Like people, people must think that I'm just drunk all the time or something because <laughs> nothing but rocks glasses. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I think, I think that's the only thing. Um, I was recognized for the first time ever, and that made me feel like such a big shot. Mm-hmm. I walked into a store and somebody yelled, Andrew Lyon. I thought, how in the heck does somebody here know my program? Because I can watch you every Thursday. And I oh, thought, cool. I, I'm, it was amazing to hear that, but I also felt like, oh, I hope I don't get a big head now because <laughs> for once I feel this way. And then a couple of weeks ago, obviously this, this would be in our own um, mm-hmm. demographic, but I went to, you know, Commando Kills. To, to help them out on, on doing a little live okay. show a couple of weeks back. Mm-hmm. And I walked in there and some guy goes, I watch you every Thursday. So obviously you go to a kilt stop. I, I would hope that somebody there would recognize me. <laughs> you know, that that has made me feel a little bit more of a celebrity, even though yeah, rock star. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I hope that's Ooh. a good answer to the question. I love being kilted and kilted a lot now. Um, I go I go to almost any event I can kilted. All except main church like i try not to make myself a spectacle because people are there for a different reason not for yeah me. yeah true true now here's a fun one and i i wrote an article about this because it's strange whenever you put on a kilt you you seem to gain these certain certain superpowers and and so i was wondering when you don your kilt what superpower do you gain I think I think there's that's that's a really good question. I think that's a fun question too because stuff does happen. I have already mm-hmm. I already commented that I'm actually a little more introverted than you probably think because I learned a long time ago when I was waiting tables 
that I had to I had to act the part. Yeah. And so um, I work hard to not always be that homebody that I want to be. Mm-hmm. And the kilt is kind of kind of that that superhero's costume that I can put on to have my other identity. Yeah. Now what I find funny on that note is yeah, I'm in, I'm in the world nowadays, and whether or not I agree with it, and it's not the, the subject matter here, when I go into places that ask me to wear a mask, I wear a mask. Now, the funny thing to me is, people don't approach me if I'm kilted in a mask, but they did approach me kilted without. So I think it's probably the smile that people people see me without that. And I'm, I'm a fairly large fella. Yeah. Walking around in a kilt, people just get out of my way when, when I'm masked, but they don't. So I... The answer to that is I'm able to put on my other persona when I put on the kilt and I can be anything I want to be. Exactly. Exactly. And that's and that's something I um I think I'm probably a little bit more bolder and, and outgoing when I'm in my kilt and everything. That's exactly what I'm saying. You know. I'm, I'm an outgoing yeah, I'm outgoing anyways, but I think I just you know, I, I become more of an attention whore or just out there and you know oh, jovial. Yeah. If I see somebody looking, I'll walk over to them where if I yeah. wasn't wearing a kilt, I wouldn't do anything. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You kinda you know and it's weird when I wear my jeans or something, man, I almost feel like I'm fading into the background of life Absolutely. and you know, nobody looks and at you and everything. And you get and you kinda get used to everybody looking at you and and you're just wearing your jeans like, man, nobody's looking at me. Gee. <laughs> well that's I've actually been feeling that way lately because when I'm walking around, you know, if I'm going into Walmart to get dog food or something and I have on the, the mask and people are avoiding me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, like, man, nobody's asking me about the kill. And so yeah. I, I I go back to the whole attention seeking thing. I will admit mm-hmm. that I like the attention, but mm-hmm. I have to admit, I'm I'm someone that unless I know the store or place actually makes you wear a mask, I I don't. And then <laughs> something I've discovered is who's going to come up and tell some guy who's wearing a kilt, "Hey, dude, put on your mask." I mean, yeah. it hasn't hasn't happened yet, you know. No, I definitely so, would. And there's yeah. many places there's many places that I go that people will ask me to take it off. Mm-hmm. I just you know it's one yeah. of those things about me. I'm just happy to I'm happy to move along and. Mm-hmm. Keep, keep the peace in that particular moment. Mm-hmm. So, anything, anything uh, coming up on the shows? Do you have any special, special events or anything like that? To kind of give us a heads up on, or um... well, you know, we always we're always looking for new stuff on the shows. Um, and and at first, our show was pretty much all about the cigar, and um, we had a lot of feedback from people that said, you know. I didn't know that you talked about stuff other than the cigar. So we've tried, we've tried a lot to make the show, you know, me smoking a cigar and enjoying it and telling you guys about it, but uh, with a whole lot more um, uh, input as to, uh, rather input than um, us just chatting. You know, Sarah and me having a conversation that we do every day, and it can be about anything. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is this is way far ahead, but Sarah and I have already started kind of planning out next year's um, Christmas special. Which oh, cool! We just finished, and that I want to say it was a it was a success. Um, Dude, and, it was uh, outstanding. You 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 must have been working like the night before till like midnight or something putting well, that together. I so I have a buddy who actually puts together shows. Um, mm-hmm. He he's done one of the best animated versions. 
of uh, a Star Trek, the original series, uh, fan-made films I've ever seen. And he uh, he told me, he goes, do you know how long you worked on that show? And I said, no. I said, is there a fact, you know, an industry standard? And he goes, typically, you're going to work about an hour for every minute you produce. Mm-hmm. I thought I thought about that for a minute because that came out to be 60 minutes. And I thought, you know, 60 hours worth of work might have been about right. We we got online and we were asking all sorts of kilted clergy for, you know, give us a sermon, give us a message, give us anything. And, and, you know, even Sarah and I had to get together with some other members of the group and say, let's play some music, you know, let's, let's get that done and, uh, you know, actually put foot on the ground and, and tread, you know, treading the, the, the field is what it took. And I will say 60 hours sounds about right worth of work to get that done. And yeah, I was actually up until about midnight and then I woke up at six and got right back to work because I didn't hit, I hit, uh, you know, finish on the pro- the the the, uh, the program to finish the thing. Yeah. Generate, yeah. Generated about an hour before it went live. Wow. <laughs> right up to the cusp. Wow. So we're working on that. Um, you know, we my birthday is is St. Patrick's Day, so we're working on maybe something special there. Uh, I've got a little Irish in me, and Sarah's got a lot more than I do. So we're trying to kind of put together maybe something where people can understand. A little more about our favorite favorite Scottish saint who was in Ireland. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm also I'm also trying to get together a bit of a Burns night up here in North Texas. Um, have a couple of people, not many, who are in the in the group, and just kind of meet up and have some scotch, have some cigars, and just have a nice little evening. Yeah, and that's that's something. Burns. Yeah, we're we're looking at maybe trying to get some something together or something. Um, we're debating: do we just go on a road trip, um, or do we do a, a Burns night, or do we go somewhere that has a Burns night, or you know? In, in this know. COVID land, that question is so much harder than it yeah, used to. Totally. If it, if it wasn't, if it wasn't, you know, post twenty twenty and now twenty twenty one, I'd be like, let's all get together, everybody, and then let's have a great time and. So many people are hesitant, even though I've I've been more inclined to do things than not. Yeah. Uh, but you know, the, we've got probably about three couples who want to do something. So you know, we're talking about eight or nine people. Awesome. Awesome. Probably be about what what's on the agenda coming soon. We have uh, our our my favorite tilted Santa and I are going to start getting together and. Uh, do some bagpipe practicing. Awesome. He contacted me out of the blue and said, I can help you with some of that stuff after I posted a few of my songs. <laughs> and, so, uh, in the grand scheme of things, I hope a set of Highland pipes are in my future here in 2021, but we will see. I don't cool. Know. Cool. Um, no, I, I, you, I have to, I have to admit you are an inspiration to me to start learning the bagpipes. Because uh, I didn't even, I, I knew, but I didn't know. Um, it's like, dang, he can play. Wow. <laughs> I think the I, pipers in the group disagree to some degree because I have my burls are not quite as crisp as some of them. And I've listened to a lot of our, our group members. But I will admit that I was very happy with what I turned out. Yeah. And, uh, I, I know that I have a long way to grow, but I'm so happy to actually be able to say, yes, I'm a piper. Have you have you taken any lessons or anything? 
Yeah, before COVID started, there is um, a guy up here, and his his pipe band is nationally rated, uh, internationally rated, I believe. Mm-hmm. And you know, if, if you're not up on the bagpiping thing yet, they actually, and I don't know that I'll ever even worry about this in my own life, but it does sound neat. You actually take tests like yeah. in Roddy to get different levels. Mm-hmm. So he's got a pipe band with level four and five, and they have been. Uh, number one in the nation a couple of times in competitions. Wow! And so it's the North Caledonian Pipes and Drums up here with the uh, with the pipe with the I guess it is the pipe master. I don't know that he ever has called himself that, but um, <clears throat> his name is Don Shannon. And I started learning with him after um, I guess this would be another one of those great uh, kilted conversations or kilted stories. And I I usually say it like this to get attention. In the in the story to see if people are following me, but I won't say it quite so bad this time. <laughs> um, I usually say it's a funny story, but it's not a funny story. It's actually a really sad story. But uh, I was driving with my family around in a um, funeral home area, you know, around the, the cemetery. When we, we were trying to decide if we were going to bury or cremate my aunt after she had passed, and uh, I got a work call. And so I had picked up my phone and I had taken the call. Uh, for all of you listening out there, I just put a phone in my ear like you could see me. Um, <laughs> I had taken the call, but I heard out of my other ear my name. And I thought, oh, I'm going to have to figure out what that's about. You know, mental note. Somebody said my name for some reason. So I got the phone and I said, what, what guys, what's going on? And um, they said, well, we want to know if, if, you would, if you would like to play Amazing Grace. And I have been a classical guitarist most of my life. I read music, and I have, I'm envious of people like Damien because he's out there able to listen to chords and play it and sing, and I can read music and play it, and you know he would say he's envious of that. So it's grass is always greener. But uh, anyways, and Grace, and I said on oh, my guitar, sure. And they said no on bagpipes. And I thought, why? Why do you think I I know how to play Amazing Grace on <laughs> bagpipes? Well, you wear a kilt. Like it doesn't come with the membership card. <laughs> And so uh, I went, we, we got to the church. Um, it was up here in Dallas. It's called uh, um, Highland Park Presbyterian Church, where at the time, uh, still to this day, my cousin is the head pastor, Brian Dunnigan. And um, we were going to have the, the, the ceremony there. And I walked in the little back entrance where they had the family ready for their little walk out. And uh, there was Don Shannon, who I had listened to many times over the years, but never had met personally. Uh-huh. And I walked in and they said, he goes, you look like the guy that sometimes wears a kilt. I said, yes, sir. I wear a kilt. He goes, he gave me his card and he said, when you're ready to start learning the pipes, call me. And so I called him immediately and yeah. we went through a bunch of good um, sessions, but uh, COVID stopped that. And I tried to do a couple of them like over Zoom and stuff, but I'll be honest, I, it's tough. And I, I don't even know how that's going to work if I'm going forward that way with another teacher. But, you know, you got to practice somehow. And I yeah. do have a strong belief. I do believe people can teach themselves, but I don't think everybody can teach themselves. Yeah. And so you, it is good to have a person who can assess your uh, skills. Yeah. And then say, you're here and I need you to play this, which is above that. And you. And I think that is very important. So a good teacher can say, 
I hear where you're having mistakes, and that's what happened with the little song. I, I played Auld Lang Syne, obviously, for New Year's. And uh, Russell, you know, said, hey, that sounded good, but I hear where you have some issues. If you'd like to, we can work on that. And awesome. so a teacher is always good for that. And so, yeah, I've taken some classes, not many as I should. And then I kind of did things on my own, including Auld Lang Syne. I, have, I didn't have a single teacher for that, so that was just me reading music and doing my best with it. Uh, and so we'll see how that goes now. I see, I, I can't read music at all. I have tried, uh, I've always played by ear. And so when I was a kid, mm -hmm. um, they made you learn the recorder in, in school and everything. Oh, yeah. and, and I would be able to play that like crazy and play almost anything and just play it by ear. My guitar, I used to be able, you know, I, I knew the chord names and stuff like that, but I, I, again, I can't read a sheet of music at all. Um, so it's one all played funniest, by ear. One of the funniest things about bagpipes is it's obviously a very Scottish and thus a very British thing. All, for all of you Scots listening out there, don't kill me. <laughs> I, I, I love the Scots and I love being Scottish. But um, the British have different names for some of our stuff than we do. So all of your books are going to talk about, you know, like we have we have like quarter notes and half notes and 16th notes and they've got quavers and semi quavers and dotted quavers. And you're like, I don't know what these words are. So it's really funny. But when I first started the bagpipes, um, you know, a few things that popped out that I had never even considered because even if you played the guitar, like you were talking, if you needed to play two G chords, you just strummed your hands twice. Mm -hmm. And that would signify to somebody to, you know, at least a beat or some kind of, yeah. Some kind of rhythm. With bagpipes, you know, people don't realize that the mouth doesn't do much except blow air into a, a, a lung, you know, into, a, mm -hmm. a, into a, a bag. And so there is no way to play two Gs mm -hmm. or two, two anythings without something in the middle. So a lot of people now, if you're listening to this and then you go listen to a bagpipe song, you'll hear chirps in between the regular notes. And so to somebody who has read music their whole life, those things are a nightmare. <laughs> that is the worst <laughs> part of it, learning grace notes, because, you know, your mind is trying to make them regular regular note lengths rather than interruptions in, um, in the song to give indications of, you know, the same note being played twice or moving from one note to another because that's the way that, that it has been found to sound the best. So grace notes are... Scary, and, and I actually went went back old school when I first started. I pulled out, you know, cards, and I drew the, the fingers and the holes and the name of the thing, and so I would pull out the card, and I'd say an A, and then I'd go find the A, and then I'd, yeah. you know, pull out the next card, shuffle, and say, you know, C, and then I'd try to make a C, and, and all of that stuff to, to really get my mind getting back to it, because obviously looking at it from a piano or a guitar's point of view, we're in different places. The note isn't on the staff. The note is on the instrument. Mm -hmm. So it's it's an interesting it's an interesting thing to have to do. And there's also some different ways of playing it. You know, you have your people out there who don't really play it very traditionally, and so those grace notes they're not really something they're going to worry about. They're going to play they're going to play it kind of fun. You got people like EJ who uh, has a, a band we hear every year at uh, North Texas Irish Fest. I guess that's not happening this year, but <clears throat> typically. 
And, uh, you know, the guy doesn't play a whole lot of grace notes that I can tell, but he plays some great tunes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, you know, it's, it's such a different and unique instrument to anything I've ever touched before. And uh, so challenging, and I really enjoy it. Cool. Cool. Well, like I said, you're you're my inspiration, and so I want to try to. Um, <clears throat> I found an inexpensive um, chanter. Good. So um, I, I have one chanter, but it's one of those Indian rosewood ones that you know are for fifteen bucks, and it just yeah. doesn't just doesn't do it. No. Um, so there's there's some amazing chanters out there, and yeah, some of them cost a lot. One thing to remember about chanters is they all sound terrible. <laughs> that's, well, actually, got, that's actually a quote. One, uh, one of my, go ahead. One of my favorite makers of chanters, and I have one that I learned from them, and I can't think of it off the top of my head. I've got it saved on the on the computer. They make some beautiful chanters where they, you know, stain wood all sorts of different colors and they put it together and make the chanter. So it's kaleidoscope of colors, beautiful. But their their uh, actual company motto is all chanters sound terrible. Ours just don't sound as terrible. <laughs> oh, we um, I'm looking at an RG Hardy. Oh yeah, and um, it's only forty bucks, forty four bucks, yeah. I think. Um, or I would really like to, because my goal is start learning, and I and I've had the twist traps bookmarked forever. Yeah. There, there's. I, I just love the sound of the twist trap uh, pipes. And um, in our little show, uh, the Christmas show, we we got permission from uh, Matt Willis. Yeah. To throw to throw his his music in there, and he is an amazing piper up here. He owns, or he is the pipe major of um, the Fort Worth Pipes and Drums. I think is what it's called. And uh, he actually believes that the twist trap is the best uh the twist trap pipes is the best um for newer for new people because to learn on yeah mm-hmm. he, you know he says he says obviously you need to practice on the chanter but the chanter is complicated in a different way because your mouth and your blowing actually has direct mm-hmm. relation to the sound coming out yeah well it doesn't in the pipe form and he's he says that the pipe form you know the, the bagpipe form is uh the closest thing to real bagpipes you got and so you learn that pressure from your elbow, mm-hmm. you wouldn't in just going from the chanter to the bagpipes. Yeah. But he's, yeah. he's a big proponent of those. And well, I know he's, people. yeah, he's actually uh, one of the R.G. Hardy um, ambassadors and stuff. Is he? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, I've watched a number of his, his videos and, uh, and yeah, he's, he's a huge fan. And then uh, Lincoln Hilton is the one who turned oh. me on to uh, the R.G. Hardys. Um, he did this one song where he's got like four of himself sitting yep. down, and they're and he, he's playing the art the the twist traps and that, and, yeah. and it's just it's a sweet sound. That's a fantastic sound. Yeah, but um, yeah, he's in our group too. Yes, absolutely is. So yeah. I wish he would make some posts. Well, yeah, listen, really. Man. Maybe I can reach out to him and have him start sharing some stuff or something like that. So. Well, actually, because I asked him to join, he said he wanted to watch the show. So mm-hmm. Matt Willis is now a member too. But oh, okay. cool! I don't know if he would ever post anything. I'd love it, but I yeah, reach out to him and and see if I he'll imagine that, you know be like a celebrity. And, and... Yeah, do it. Reach yeah. out and have him have him come on come on or post something or yeah, that'd be awesome. I'd yeah. love it. So. 
any last words you'd like to leave for the listeners? I think I think that our group is one of the most amazing groups I've ever been part of. And one of the reasons is, you know, that, that we are so kind to each other. Mm-hmm. And while a lot of people think that it's just a whole bunch of guys posting pictures of themselves in kilts, if you actually go in and look, if you actually watch, you know, somebody might post their pictures in their house and in their backyard and four or five posts later, you see that they actually went out in the world, you know, and, and it's hard for us to sometimes get a sense of reality from pictures on the internet, right? Mm-hmm. But there was a series of events that had happened in that person's life where they got it and they got, they got some support from mm-hmm. other people like them. And then they got support from people outside of that. And then they moved forward with that. You know, they, they went from inside their house and they were just tilted on their own to being in their backyard and getting some photos. And then maybe, you know, going down the street for a walk and, and just kind of testing those waters. And I think that, that our motto of being stronger daily is displayed well in our random pictures. Because mm-hmm. even though some people would say, we just got to, we just got to, you know, fashion show. Not really. Mm-hmm. Not really. What we have is growth from each individual each day when they mm-hmm. do something that's out of their comfort zone. And so I would I would absolutely say to each and every one of you listening to reach out to any of us. And especially if it's something that, that scares you. There's going to be somebody or we will help you find somebody around you that will go out and take that first step with you. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's one of my very favorite things in this world is to usher in somebody new to this, this mm-hmm. life. And so, um, again, I, I think that being stronger daily means a lot of different things. And that would mean something different to each and every person because we all struggle with different things, yeah. you know? And uh, I, I do foresee a future where we are helping people do things that they're terrified to do. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. It's it's interesting because the group has has at least for me, it's yeah, it's a group and everything, and I I, I practically live in it, you know, sure. most of the free time that I have. But it's it's become a family too, and I mean, I look at all you the show hosts, all y'all are are super good friends of ours, and and then there's a lot of people in the group itself that are they're good friends of ours and everything, and. It's just, it's very, you, you, you start taking interest in other people's lives and it, yes. and it's fun to, to like yesterday I called Christian and saw how he was doing and, and everything. I haven't oh, heard from him in a while and things. And, and so you, you find yourself reaching out to people that you mm-hmm. may not have necessarily reached out to before, but you do it because you're their family. And, and we also, you know, you, you have you have a situation where you have people who have been through it and you know I, I use the word veteran lightly because we have real vets in the group yeah. not just yeah. people who have been killed for a while and uh, but when you know what to expect you know you can you can help those people along and I, I yeah. think that's amazing you know but I've, I've done it multiple times now and I can think of a few people we just had Mark Owen's birthday mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and you know he was telling me he's like I never thought I'd go in public in this thing Mm-hmm. I did that now, and it's because of the support I felt in the group. Yeah, and 
you know, that's part of being stronger is, is getting outside of your own comfort zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's, those are great words, and I'm glad that you did it. Well, folks, what we're going to do is going to take some time off here and head on into one of our other segments here. I do want to remind you that to watch our shows, you can watch Andrew, Sarah, uh, 6.30 Central Standard Time on Thursdays. But we've got a full, we have got a totally full week. In fact, we are bringing on a new show, uh, Cuisines and Corsets with Jen Horn. It's going to be cooking and corsets, you know, two things that are really nice to see. Uh, but then on Tuesdays, we have an AB. So on one, one Tuesday, we have the Kilted Cajun Damien. And then on Tuesday, B, we have uh, Puddin' Live with uh, Lewis. And then in Wednesdays, we now have a new show, or he's just now kind of getting started. And that's George over at the Kilted Pirate. And then again, Thursday is Holy Smokes with Andrew and Sarah. Friday, we have the Highlander Tobacco Company with, with Matt and Michelle. And then Saturday is me and my lovely queen, Cynthia, doing whiskey and things. And then Sunday, what we're doing is we're taking Sunday to really push out this podcast. So it gives you time to download it and have it so that, you know, when you're making your commute or maybe you want to do a workout or something like that, you have the podcast ready to go for the new week. So a lot of great things going on. I really encourage you to go over to Facebook and check out Real Men Work Kilts, and we're easy to find. Just do a search, Real Men Work Kilts. You'll see the 10,000-plus people there. Join us. We're a lot of fun, as you can see and hear and tell. Uh, you can also check out our YouTube channel, which is slowly growing. Again, it's youtube.com slash realmenworkkilts, as well as our website, www.realmenworkkilts.com. So a lot of things are going on. This this new year is going to be a blast, and we're going to just continue to grow and do great things. So I encourage you to check it out, and we'll see it. Goodbye, God bless, and kilt on. Hey, everybody. This is the Kilted Cajun. Catch my show every other Tuesday night at 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time on Real Men Wear Kilts. Kilt on.
Morgan. Today we are interviewing Vince and Morgan from Maskey's Highland Food and Gear. This has been a great surprise to me, folks. Maskey's was kind enough to send me some haggis to try, and I have to say, I totally loved it. Uh, now, so let's get Vince and Morgan here and let's start talking haggis. Welcome to the show, guys. Oh, thank you. Hey, thank you for inviting us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as I said, last night, and we started talking about this a little bit just before going on live here, this is really the first time that I've had a quantity of haggis to work with. And I, I loved your haggis, I have to say that. I, it was, I, I enjoy organ meat, and so I enjoy cooking with heart and kidneys and liver and all that other stuff. And so I never really had a chance to truly try haggis. I mean, I've had it before. Like there's a restaurant here that serves it. And so I've had stuff like that, but I've never really had a chance to really cook with it and actually experience it. And I was really blown away at how good your haggis was. In fact, let's stop right here. Do me a favor and let's learn a little bit about you guys first. Uh, Vince, talk about you. Morgan, talk about yourself. And then we'll start talking a little bit about maskies and then your wonderful haggis. Okay, well, I, I'm a, an architect in mm -hmm. Wisconsin, uh, also licensed in Illinois. I've been doing that for a few years, <laughs> put it that mm -hmm. way. I've had a great in my beard. Uh, but uh, I absolutely have a love for all things Scottish. Uh, I only have 11 kilts, so I'm, I'm still a, a, a newbie, but I'm working on that. And uh, I'm a lawyer by trade. I worked as a child and elder advocate for about 21 years. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm also a writer. Uh, I have a number of romance novels that I write. But um, some years ago, Vince came to me and said, Hey, what do you think about starting a sausage company? And I, I thought about it for about six or seven seconds and then thought, you know, why not? Mm -hmm. So that's how Maxie's kind of started with mm -hmm. a why not mentality. And then it, it took a long time to get a recipe for Haggis that we really liked because it was awful. I mean, those first attempts were so bad. <laughs> and what would you say, eight or ten years? I mean, oh, it, it, took it, it, it took ten years because we had wow. We actually got to start on the Haggis journey in 1991. Morgan had mm -hmm. graduated from law school, and she said, "You're taking me to Scotland." I said, oh, "Okay." So the Gulf War was was pretty much over, and we had the, the chance to go there. I tasted Haggis for the first time in my life. And you oh, fell in love. I with fell it. in love with it. I thought, mm -hmm. I've got to figure this out. This is awesome. Yeah. I, I can do this. I can, I can do this, <laughs> not knowing how difficult it is to do it, <laughs> because yep. the, the secret is in the spice. Uh, now that I don't want to give away your secret recipe or anything like that, but I do taste some sage in there. I mean, I, I think it's the typical spices that you would throw into haggis. Anyway, I think there's a little bit of sage and maybe a pinch of nutmeg or, or allspice or some of these other things. But I, I really enjoyed how your haggis kind of changed complexity with what I was cooking with. So for example, in last night's show, I made hacks and eggs, and someone in Scotland told me to make sure that I break the yolk and kind of get it all over the haggis and, and try that. And that was insane. I have to say that was, out of all three, I made haggis three ways. And so I did haggis with eggs. I did haggis on cute little water, water, water cracker things, 
topped with onions. And, uh, and then I did haggis and tacos. So I kind of did Texas style haggis and, and things. So, but I have to say, I really enjoyed the haggis and eggs. Those were insane. And my friend was telling me, he says, yeah, man, this is what I have for breakfast every day. There's a, a little kiosk or, or chippy or something that he goes to every morning. And that's where he stops for his breakfast, get coffee, and then heads to work. But he always has haggis and eggs every morning. Um, and so it was utterly delicious. And so whatever recipe you've got going, it is insane. Um, and then another thing that I really enjoyed uh, I cook for a living and then I've, I've been a long time, I'm, I'm a foodie. And so I've been cooking actually since age five. And well, one of the things that I really enjoyed about your haggis is the pliability. And, and so I was able to shape it. And, and so if you wanted to, you can make some, and I forget what they're called in French, but you know, when you spoon it together and make a nice little dollop and then, or, uh, pipe it. I think it would be excellent for piping onto the plate. And so when you're doing your tatties and neeps, you know, squish it on, pipe it on, make it look really pretty and, and things. Um, but yeah, I, the, the pliability was, was good. So it was creamy yet still had a good, thick, hearty consistency. And I, I don't know how to, how to really word it that way. Your barley and everything came out really well. The oats and everything came out. Uh, just it, it just stands on its own as as excellent haggis. I, I was intrigued. Less, thank you very much. And I was intrigued by your uh, rama application. And the thing about the haggis recipes that we've tried and and kind of just thrown together at last minute is it goes so well with fruit. So what I do with rum, we we live near Door County, Wisconsin, and they're big on cherries. So if you soak uh, sour dried cherries in the rum, let those plump up, mm -hmm. you'd be surprised how well haggis goes with like that in particular, but also sliced apples, a little bit of cinnamon. I mean, it's yeah. really nice with fruit. I was, I was, Vince mentioned that in the comments to, to do something with apples and haggis. Yeah. And I can, I can picture that in my mind. I can picture that taste. And I think that that sweet and savory would really go well. It really does. And we've done that um, as like a casserole, and it's absolutely delicious. You might put a layer of haggis down, a layer of sliced potatoes, and then a layer of apples, and just keep you know building it up almost like a, uh, a lasagna. Yeah. And then bake it, and it is fantastic. Yeah. No, I, 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 I what was really interesting to me is you know, like I said, how, how the haggis changed profile. And then I did the Texas style down here. <laughs> I don't know if you guys do that up there, but down here uh, I mixed it with some cilantro and onions and, and things, cooked it up and I have a little pan. And so I was flipping it. And this is why I, lo I loved the, the, the consistency or the, the pliability because I was able to flip and for those of you who are listening, I am now doing the flipping action with my hand. Um, <laughs> but I was flipping it and, and creating a roll or, a, or a, um, a, a log or something. And I was able to just slide it right into a, a tortilla and roll it up almost like a burrito or a taco. And, um, and it was absolutely delicious. Now, off camera, what I also did is I had extra of that mixture 
and I put a little bit of Frank's hot sauce on it and it was like delicious. <laughs> Frank's hot sauce is not that hot. It's, it's what originally, um, uh, what Buffalo, Buffalo oh, wings were, were yeah. created with. So it's more vinegary, a little bit of cayenne flavor and stuff, but it's just, this really good, you know, hot sauce. Uh, I'm a whip. I don't do hot, so, but I will do Frank's. Uh, but it was just absolutely insane. And uh, yeah, for a, a Tex-Mex haggis, who would have thunk it? I'm intrigued by that. Yeah. Oh, and, and it's funny that you made tacos because at the Spring Highland Games in Milwaukee uh, every year, we have a haggis taco eating competition. But it's, but it's not gourmet at all. No, no, it's not gourmet. <laughs> what, we, uh, what we do is, you know, ahead of time, we'll, we'll put a quarter cup of haggis into, a, you know, like an eight-inch tortilla, roll it up, and then we'll have the three or four of them, I think, for, yeah, for each yeah. person that wants to compete. And whoever eats it first is the winner. It's so awesome. Much awesome. I was going to say, do you put cheese on it and everything like you oh, do in no. normal? No, yeah. it's it's really just about who can put it down the <laughs> right. It's not about that there. Mm -hmm. Well, I was yeah. going to ask you, isn't Wisconsin famous for cheese? Yes. Oh, yes. yes. Okay. And we did a pizza with like an Alfredo type of cream base. Ooh. And it had a haggis on the top of that. And it was outstanding. So that's a, it's another Ooh. application. Actually, I'm trying to look at mass marketing that right now. Uh -huh. Yeah, uh -huh. it's pretty pretty awesome that way yeah. as well. How, how interesting. Um, a friend of mine, Andrew, he's one of our uh, other hosts on Real Men Where It Kills. Him and, and Sarah do a show called Holy Smokes. And they sit, he's our cigar aficionado. And so they'll, they'll kind of rate cigars and talk about cigars, as well as they just talk about life and what's going on. And they have some, some interesting, interesting ideas and stuff. But he was telling me haggis is a lot like chorizo, which is a Texas um, Mexican sausage thing and so he was giving me tips on how to cook it and, and stuff uh, and I found it really easy to cook and it, it browned up really quickly it didn't uh, uh, it didn't burn and I hate using using that term but it, it held its consistency really well and I think that anybody who's a first-time uh, haggis cooker cook cook cooker uh, <laughs> would would actually do rather well it's it, and again and in one one thing that i did do um i did pour it out of the the paper um tube and stuff and i added a smidge of water and i guess i shouldn't have done that it, it took a little bit longer to cook off and and everything whereas the second time around i just added it to itself and allowed the heat to kind of take it and go into pliability and things um and so Super easy to cook. I couldn't believe how how easy it is. So it's it's something that I think anybody could easily do and make for breakfast and or dinner or lunch or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, the cooking instructions that we have on, on the label uh, make it pretty much foolproof because you know if you're not as adventurous as you are, you know with your with your food, you take it out of the freezer, you thaw it, you uh, take the outer wrapper off. And then just put the log in your oven at, uh, I think, 350 for one hour. Slice it open, and you've got warm, rich oven. Awesome. Awesome. Now, in, in don't they kind of like boil haggis for real, and when they put it in the sheepskin or sheep stomach or something? Well, they would have had to boil the stomach for sure. Um, yeah. But the stomach serves 
the purpose of really just holding it. Uh -huh. It's kind of like um, bratwurst here in Milwaukee. Like you singers mm -hmm. will still use intestines yeah. on some of their sausage, but otherwise it's artificial casing. So that's really all the stomach does. And there are people that that cook it by boiling it, but that's just not. Yeah. So what is the what is the traditional way of making it with when you're stuffing with the, in the stomach? Is it steamed or baked or what? It, it would be boiled. You're, you're right. That it would be oh, okay. Oh, okay. Uh, we've just found that throwing it in the oven um, is a better approach because that way, uh, you know, if you go a little bit beyond that hour, you'll start to get a uh, little crispy uh, edges to it, mm -hmm. which are fantastic. You know, mm -hmm. it's the crunchy bits that everybody loves. Yeah, and it's less gooey. If you tried to boil it, it I don't know that that's a technical term, but it gets gooey, <laughs> it, it doesn't break apart nicely. You don't get that same wonderful mouthfeel. So. Yeah. yeah. And we also make our, or uh, prepare our haggis in hog casing. So it's uh, it's like a bratwurst. Mm -hmm. uh, the quarter pound size, and those are fantastic. Yum, yum. Um, so you have the one pound, you also have the four pound. Now, is the four pound, do you send that in like a vacuum sealed sort of container, or is it one big log? It, it, one. It's one big log. Okay. So it's easy to throw in your oven and, and cook it that way and, and stuff. Yeah, we, we use those a lot for um, festivals, mm -hmm. uh, as well as for you know, like a bird supper. Mm -hmm. uh, when, unfortunately, we can't have one this year because of COVID. Mm -hmm. uh, but when the city of Milwaukee, uh, St. Andrews Society had ours, we would go through 56 pounds of haggis. Wow. Yeah. My goodness, that's a lot of haggis. <laughs> yes. Now, being adventurous in the foodie that I am and everything and living in the Texas, Texas Hill Country has a lot of sheep. So I could probably get my hands on a sheep sheep stomach. Could I take your haggis, stuff it in a sheep stomach and, and cook it the regular way of boiling it in a sheep stomach and everything? You could. <laughs> the question is, would you really want to? <laughs> yeah. I'm just kind of, have you explored that avenue yet? Oh, no. We, we can do presentation haggises, you know, um, it's available oh, really? if we want to have a stomach, or actually more commonly, you, you use what's called a beef bung, and you know, a, what? a beef bung, so beef it's, it's bung? bung, yeah, so it's a, it's a larger part of the intestinal tract, okay, and um, yeah, we, we can do that, but the, the difference is, uh, for us to buy one of those, to, to put the same amount of haggis, you know, say a four pound haggis in that, It'd be about fifteen dollars just for the bone, mm -hmm. as compared to twenty-five cents for a clear fiber yeah. thing, which gets thrown away just like yeah. the bone would get thrown away. You don't need it. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, but I'm just thinking for for a you know if you wanted to really do the whole Burns night and slash it open and you know. Well, they still slice. Oh, here, well, here. I, I know the listeners can't see this. They can't see it. Yeah. But you can describe it. Here's a four pounder. Okay. okay. So when this is sitting on your silver tray, you know, and then the piper pipes it in, and mm -hmm. and the, the, the swordsman mm -hmm. and the chef and everyone's there, you you perform your address to the haggis, and then you slice this thing open. Okay. And it's and, out and it's beautiful. So, so for your listeners, it's about a foot long, and it's about four inches wide. So it's a roll. Okay. You can still really get the knife in there and okay. go to <laughs> <laughs> You can still do that. Awesome. Now let's talk about some of the other products. I noticed that you had blood, was it blood pudding or blood sausage yes. or? 
Well, we since we are Mac skis, so the Mac is from Morgan MacDonald. The ski mm -hmm. is from Vince Malou's ski, and uh, so this is uh, since we don't actually have our own recipe yet for a, a black pudding, uh, we use the Polish equivalent, which is quiche, mm -hmm. and and we sell that, and this is absolutely delicious. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, th this is a product that if you're having your breakfast, uh, it's mm -hmm. very nice to slice it up, and you can pan fry that. It's, mm -hmm. uh, that's something else I've never had, so I think I'm going to have to order some of that and do a show or something like that. You so will start getting people to eating eating <laughs> Scottish. Yes. Uh, so, what are some of the other food products that you guys have? Oh, well, I wish we could show you the pasties, but they're being processed up in northern Wisconsin right now. Um, but those are delicious, and we have so, young pasties. Describe a pasty. Pats. Uh, uh, yeah, pasty. Uh, okay. Like the uh, the Cornish miners used to take pasties down to the mine with them, mm -hmm. uh, and it's got a, a braided edge to it, so that so you it's get, dull. Yeah, it's a, it's a dull. It's like a pie. Okay. Okay, so it's like a turnover. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. With a braided edge. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Instead okay. of being really flaky, uh, it, it's it's got a, a little tougher crust because the mm -hmm. miners would hold on to the the braided part, so they wouldn't mm -hmm. get the part they want to eat. And they throw that away. They throw that away. Well, that's part of it. Well, we got the the idea, you know, with the traditional Scottish meal of haggis, and patties. What if we put those into a pasty? So we went up to the the plant that makes them for us and said, "Here, you want to give this a try?" And we tried it, and then we ate some. And that is really a neat place. So it's right by the UP, the Upper Peninsula. And they are masters at this. They send mm -hmm. out pasties everywhere, but they can do it. I, and I know they can't see me doing this. But they can As Morgan is, is twirling dough. <laughs> it's just fantastic. They, they hand do the, the big ones, and then the small ones, which are maybe two bite size, um, they do it totally in the machine. But it's a true art. And we should be able to post a video of that. I think I have a video on our website that shows how uh, the large pasties are made. You get a big kick out of that. Mm -hmm. and, it, and being a foodie, you will love mm -hmm. Yes. You and these are... So these are something I can order from your website, correct? Yes. Sure. Yes. And so do you sell them by the dozen? Do you sell them by the... how? Because Are they big or small? or well, both. Both. Yeah. Big and small. Uh, we, we have an appetizer size, which is three ounces. And mm -hmm. they're about you know, this big. Pot right? sticker size. Yeah. Yeah. Pot sticker size. Perfect. And then we have the meal size, which is a full pound. Um, and that's closer to this. Yeah. It, it, when you eat one of those, you're full. Wow. That's a full <laughs> pound? <laughs> no, I don't eat two. Yeah, no. <laughs> A full, my goodness, that's a that's a lot of food there. So it is a meal, and we we have photos of those on our website, mm -hmm. uh, placed open, so you can see what they look like inside. Awesome. Now, okay, let's talk money. So, haggis for a a Scottish haggis, one pound is about fifteen dollars. A Scottish haggis, four pound, the big gigantic tube, is sixty dollars. And we'll feed a whole, you know, African tribe or something. It's that gigantic. <laughs> and then your your blood pudding. You looked. You had a big, huge uh, sausage of it. 
And I didn't see what the price was that for. What was that? What's the price for that? I believe that's $8. Oh, wow. That's not bad. And yeah, totally. And then your pasties, what do you, what do you? The, the pasties, I believe the, the large one is $6 and the small ones come in a package of six uh, for $12. Wow. So we can like go shopping with you guys and feast on good <laughs> please, Scottish please. food. And, and I love that you, I loved how you guys sent it too. Um, showed up at my door, the, the styrofoam packaging was intact, didn't bust open, didn't do anything. Um, actually took me quite a few tries just to try to open up the box and cutting the tape. And so you did a real good job of making it foolproof to, to get into. And then you wrapped everything in bubble wrap. And then I had like four or five of these ice pack thingy bobs keeping everything cold. And, and as I said before, everything was still frozen, the vegetarian, which is still in my freezer. I'm going to do another show and maybe get uh, my, my wonderful wife, Cynthia, to try it along with me and do the vegetarian. And, uh, but your, your Scottish haggis was just starting to thaw out on the ends. Otherwise, it was, it was very hard, very you know, rock hard, boom, 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 frozen still and everything. Now, I did not put that directly in the freezer because I got that, gosh, when did I get that? Friday? Yeah, I think Thursday or Friday. But I still, I wanted to thaw it out to make sure that I had it when I was, the day that I was going to cook it and all that other stuff. So your packaging was incredible and it got to us, you know, even down here in Texas, you know, safe and sound and fully frozen and ready to eat and, or, you know, give it 24 hours when I guess then it was ready to eat and stuff. But, um, but yeah, great, great stuff. And, and, uh, you know, do me a favor, uh, tell folks how to get to your website. Well, you can go to either thehaggisshop.com or you could also go to uh, www.maxis, which is M-A-C-S-K-I-S.com. Both of them point to the same website. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Great. Um, is there anything else that you have on your website? Now, I noticed it looks like you have some leather goods. Are, you, are one of you like leather workers? <laughs> yeah. Um... This has been tooling leather since he was 12. Mm. He's, he's really, really good at it. He's not going to tell you this, but he's <laughs> exceptional at it. So if you look at some of the one-off items he made, he made a sporran, a 007 sporran for, for Sean Connery. Oh, wow. laser engraved all of Sean Connery's um, movies in the year. He took, he did the checkering like you would have Mm -hmm. um, Walter PPK. Oh, wow. He did that all by hand on the front of the head. Oh, my goodness. It's absolutely beautiful. Do you have yeah, pictures of that on the site? Yeah, that's yeah. on the site. Oh, okay. Um, under the, like, truly custom sporings. Mm -hmm. And it was fun because, you know, most sporings have tassels of some sort. Mm -hmm. And I thought, what, what would be an appropriate tassel for that one? But I had some 32 ACP bullets. Um, oh, cool. Without, without powder charges. And uh, so I, I hung seven of them. Totally appropriate. <laughs> well, that, that's how many a PPK would hold. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> totally appropriate. <laughs> when you walk. Yeah. <laughs> it's just wonderful. Um, so we do have a lot of that. We have a lot of really kind of neat things that Vince has created that are one-offs. And um, I've gotten into 
bags that are very useful, utilitarian mm -hmm. bags. And we have near us um, in Milwaukee, actually, the tannery that does a lot of Wisconsin bison mm. and bison from the U.S. So we're playing around with that. And it's, it's important to me that we're using things that are made in the U.S.A., that we hand sew everything that we do, and that everything is as local and sustainable as possible. So awesome. It's just fun. I mean, mm -hmm. go take a look. See what we mm -hmm. got. Now, I'm, I'm going to actually, because a, a thought just came into my head here. I'm going back to the Scottish haggis again, and, and I don't want you to divulge your recipe or anything, but I did see oats. I, I did see barley, which I love the barley. Are, are there any potatoes in it? I mean, do you, is there potatoes in haggis normally or anything? I, I don't know the recipe. I'm, I'm just oh. an ignorant texter. So. The USDA requires that we list all of the ingredients on the label. So if you look at the label, it'll tell you exactly what's in there. Mm -hmm. uh, but the, the part where we get to be secretive is where we say spices. Yeah. We don't dive all of that to anybody. So you're 11 herbs and spices, huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah something like that. Yeah. <laughs> but we use um, the natural lamb. So what makes this haggis kind of unique, at least in the U.S., is that it's all lamb. Mm -hmm. And most haggis has some beef like beef liver or uh, beef heart, but ours is all lamb, so it's all natural lamb, oats, and our oats are organic and gluten-free because we just had so many people mm -hmm. say oats are naturally gluten-free, but there were enough inquiries to say we want to make sure that it's in a facility that doesn't have any gluten, so ours are gluten-free, and mm -hmm. that's across the board for both the veg and um, onions. Mm -hmm. Well, I found when I when I cooked it up and everything, I really didn't have to do any seasoning. I added a little bit of salt. That is all I added. Um, and then my my Mexican or Tex-Mex style. Um, I, again, I added the cilantro and the onions and stuff, but it truly stands on its own. And for those of you out there who don't know what haggis tastes like or anything, um, imagine liverwurst or um, what is that? That I don't want to say it's deviled ham. It's not, but it has that that earthiness, that liverwurst taste. And so some people may not know, you know, what does it taste like? You know, because so many people that oh, you're eating haggis. Like I, I went into my restaurant today and I told, you know, everybody, well, guess what I had last night? I had haggis. <laughs> I made haggis three ways. And, ooh, wow. You know, <laughs> how, what does it taste like? Uh, and so it's hard for people to understand something, you know. And, uh, and so when you say it kind of has a liverwurst or that earthy, um, earthy taste, you know, then people can understand what it really tastes like. But there's such a, a, a misnomer about it, like, ooh, haggis, and I'm putting up the little devil <laughs> yeah, sign, yeah. and, you know, they are, I don't want any haggis. But it's actually rather good and very, very surprisingly good. And I, I think that I am going to be a more of a regular customer for you guys, so I have some on hand more often and cook it more often because I thought it was really, really delicious. And... Uh, just something good to, to show the folks and continue to help support your website and support your efforts. And I love that it's made in America. No, one question. And I've been meaning to ask this. 
uh, haggis normally has lung meat in it. So what's the deal? I don't think, is that against the law here in the United States or what? Yes, the USDA does not allow lung in any food products. Hmm. Um, why? We have no idea. We have, we have researched this left and right, trying to find out the answer, you know, exactly when it was banned uh, and for what reason. I'm thinking that it probably has something to do with uh, impurities that might be in the lungs um, that hmm. or, you know, any type of potential lung diseases that uh, hmm. animals So they don't want you to eat that. Um, but when, uh, during the 10 years that we were developing the recipe for our agus, um, I, I used lung just to try it. Mm -hmm. uh, in Wisconsin, it, you know, deer hunting is a, is a religion. Uh, yeah. so I, I Same here in Texas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I used to make what would be known as high agus, you know, which is mm -hmm. all of that. And it's got a completely different flavor, but, um, I would use the lungs and quickly found out that the lungs don't taste like anything. Hmm. You know, they, they are it's like a it's filler. A filler. It's Interesting. Filler. So it's kind of a cheap filler. So it doesn't right. taste a lot. Right. You know, your it's your heart your heart's in your livers that give you yeah. the flavor. And coming up with the the right proportion of those two mm -hmm. uh, is critical to the taste of the haggis. Mm -hmm. so being all lamb, um, if if you have a haggis that's made with beef or pork, uh, it's gonna taste different. Yeah. It's a little more greasy too. That's and that's what I liked about yours. It, it wasn't overly greasy. It wasn't overly because again, when I tell people, I've had people tell me that it's just like kind of akin it to chorizo or Jimmy Dean sausage, and both are really greasy. And so there was no pouring off anything or anything like that. It's just cook it up, brown it up, warm it up, shape it, and throw it in a taco <laughs> um, and it and it just and it did really really good or throw it on eggs or something but yeah I found it not greasy I found it uh, it didn't there there's some products some sausage products and everything kind of stick to your tongue I don't, I don't know if you understand understand that it's kind of like that film yours doesn't do, do that at all it tastes wonderful it doesn't stick to the tongue it uh, it isn't overly spicy my mom did taste the pepper in it because I gave her a bite and, and stuff, but I found it rather pleasurable and, uh, and she actually liked it too. So that's not saying that she did or anything like that, but I was kind of, I was kind of, you know, keeping it all to myself. So <laughs> it tells you how good it is, but uh, do me a favor and tell me how the folks can get hold of you guys uh, give us some idea of shipping and and such, and then you know when is the best time to have your your Burns dinner haggis covered? Well, Burns night is January twenty fifth, mm -hmm. so you will want to place your order at least a week ahead of time. And I believe the twenty fifth is on a Monday night, so uh, we we only ship out typically Monday through Wednesday uh, because we don't want. We don't, uh, we don't want it sitting weekend. in a truck somewhere over weekend. Mm -hmm. So, you know, get your order in over the weekend or, you know, Monday perhaps uh, would be great. We have two different shipping rates for uh, the contiguous uh, states to Wisconsin. We have a lower rate, and that's, that's just the cost of yeah. the shipping. Yeah. You know, and then, then we have a higher rate for uh, every other state. But it's all on the site. Yeah, every, it's all on, all on the website. You'll know exactly what it's going to cost you. Yeah. The one thing I would suggest, though, if anybody is interested in ordering, 
your best bet is not to order one pound. Uh, it's just the shipping will eat you alive with yeah. one pound. So if you have friends that might want to go in on a package, do that. Um, we we encourage that just because of the shipping. Right. Well, uh, something also is even if you do buy the four pound package, what you can do is get it and then kind of hack it up so into into individual pieces or one pound pieces and freeze it. So open it up. And I know this isn't, you know, uh, you want me to keep it in your in the paper thing and everything. But me, I can see myself eating a lot of your haggis. <laughs> and so how do I keep your haggis good and, and, and such? So instead of, well, I guess I could also order four one pound. And the haggis is good in the freezer for a year and a half. Hmm. So it, it's another reason to buy more, you know, yeah. if, you, if you think that you'll be eating it several times during the year. Yeah. Um, we, we charge the same shipping for one pound to 10 pounds. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to keep that as close to our cost as possible. Yeah. It's not that we're trying to, to gouge mm -hmm. on the shipping. We're trying to keep it as close to the actual yeah. cost. Oh, one thing we didn't talk about is your vegetarian haggis. Yeah, I a, can't wait for you to try oh. it. <laughs> so what's the difference besides not having meat in it? What what did you you know without giving away any trade secrets or anything like that? So this is really interesting because, like you said, we were trying to get the earthiness, and this is going to sound very strange to your um, listeners, but. I don't eat meat, and I haven't eaten meat for 21 years. Wow. So it's really important for me to have, uh, to get everything as natural as possible, but also to get the same kind of flavor profile. And if you're a true vegetarian, spices are, taste different. So, um, it, it, and they're hotter. So mm -hmm. pepper is hotter than it would be if it goes in meat, when it goes in vegetables. And you know this, just if you put, if you put pepper on beans, it's going to taste better than it would on your steak. Mm -hmm. It just has that kind of effect. So we're, we've struggled with how to get that same kind of earthy. And uh, Vince came up with three, we narrowed it down to three of our favorite recipes. Um, and our very favorite had walnuts in it. Mm. And we can't do walnuts because too many people are allergic to Allergic to nuts, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it has... Um, eggs and mushrooms and beans. Yeah, right. Yeah, Two different kinds of beans. With the with the original recipe, we learned that if you mix green beans and walnuts, you, you get a liver flavor, and mm -hmm. and, it, and that was very good. Uh, but then when we realized we couldn't use the walnuts because mm -hmm. uh, the production facility that that uh, makes our haggis uh, said that they can't do it because otherwise now every product that they produce would have to have that label, you know, produce oh, in a factory that processes yeah, yeah. Uh, So we even uh, went out, researched some products in Canada uh, and had a, a little vial of imitation liver flavoring that mm. uh, was used in the um, animal uh, pharmaceutical industry. God yeah. awful. <laughs> it tasted so like bad. liver. <laughs> so bad. So we tried to get the earthy stuff with just real food. Yeah, <laughs> I, think we, I think we did. I, I think we did. You know, portobello mushrooms have got a great Oh, yeah. And you will probably, you'll see chunks of them in, in mm -hmm. the hang and taste it. 
But our goal from the get-go was to make a haggis that looks, smells, and tastes like the meat haggis. Yeah. And has a similar yeah. consistency as we could get. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. too often, uh, if someone's offering a, a vegetarian haggis, it, it's like a Boca burger crumbled up, and they say, it's this is haggis. No, yeah. it isn't. You know, it tastes like dog food. Right. <laughs> It tastes like what? <laughs> dog, dog, food. No dog food. Okay. You don't want that. No. I, I think we did a pretty decent job. One yeah. uh, of my favorite ways to eat that is, like you said, for breakfast. Mm -hmm. But I also like it in stuffed mushrooms. It goes great with seafood, with crab. Um, again, with all the fruit, it's going to be really nice. Mm -hmm. But I, I love it. I find it's a little stickier. Um, when you cook it, it, it just has a little more mm -hmm. to it. Mm -hmm. uh, but other than that, we've had people tell us when they're side by side, they don't know which is which. Interesting. Which, which makes me happy. Right, <laughs> yeah. And we, we would do like a buffet, and they'll have one chafing dish of meat, I guess, one of the vegetarian, and just looking at them, you can't really tell the difference if you don't mm -hmm. know. Yeah. Now, do, now on the vegetarian, I'm assuming you put the oats and the barley and all the other stuff normally, too. Yes. Yeah. Okay, interesting. I'm looking forward to now trying the vegetarian. Let's <laughs> see which one I really like. Now, is there a price difference between the vegetarian and the lamb? No, same price. Okay, okay, that's cool. So people who are vegetarians can, you know, order for the same price as well too. Um, let's see anything else that we can think about or talk about in regarding maskies and haggis. Anything? Any last words that you can give us? I would just say try it as many ways as you can with as much as you can. I made a blueberry bourbon sauce that I thought went really well with it. Um, it doesn't really need sauce, but again, the fruit and the, mm -hmm. the alcohol, and you really intrigued me with your rum. <laughs> so I'm going to try different rum recipes too, but it, it's just kind of fun to play with. Yep. How interesting. And, and I, I did. Shepherd's pie too. Shepherd's pie is probably the easiest way to use it. Hmm. If you're looking for that kind of thing, so you use it just like you would use a ground beef or the cut, mm -hmm. cut steak in a shepherd's pie. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. okay. mm -hmm. Awesome. That's a great idea. Yep. Yeah. Um, now, I did have to, when I was when I was doing my rum, my rum is that I was drinking was called a Buelo 12-year-old. And it's not a mixing rum. It's actually a sipping rum. And it's from Panama. And I, I used to live down in Panama, spent a couple of years down there. But, you know, I spent two years in Costa Rica, two years in Panama, for those of you who don't know that. And, uh, but Abuelo rum is actually rather popular and common down in the Panama area. And they even have up to, I want to say, a 25-year-old rum that you can, which I've had, and it's absolutely delicious, but you can't get it here in the United States for some reason. And I dive, you know, I go down a rabbit trail, I'm sorry. But I found that the rum, you taste the rum prior and had a very sweet taste, normal rum, sipping taste. But when I then, after that, ate the haggis and then tried the rum, it really exploded with almost berry flavors, where the rum, the sipping rum normally has a vanilla, caramel, uh, maple syrup taste. When I ate the haggis, there's something in the haggis that causes the rum to almost come alive and have a strawberry, cherry, raspberry flavor. It became very sharp, very pronounced, and a lot of the sweetness was kind of taken away, but it was very pleasurable. 
And so those of you who are listening, give that a try. Give, you know, have some rum, some really good sipping rum with some haggis, and you'll be very surprised. Now, you did say something in the comments last night, Vince, that a, a space-side scotch, which I also kind of put, put this rum akin to, a space-side. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, I, I think that, personally, I, I think that space-sides pair uh, about the best with our haggis because you have the sweetness, you got the vanilla, you got the, mm -hmm. uh, the caramel uh, flavors, uh, pairs so well uh, with the haggis. Mm -hmm. you know, and you got the earthiness of the haggis. Uh, we do have some friends that uh, much prefer a, uh, like an highlight. You know, they, they want that they smoky, want that TV, salty mm -hmm. flavor. And, you know, Interesting. On their palates, that pairs better. I, I would say- I've got to try that. Tampa's Fabulous, uh, Balvinie, of mm -hmm. any of the Balvinis, um, the 14 Caribbean cask. Oh my goodness, one of my favorite, cask. yes. Yeah. That's that's phenomenal. If you want to go a little deeper and heavier and less expensive, an Avalur's really Ab good. Avalur's yeah. um, Any of the Glenfiddich. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. And what is, what is some of you said, um, some of the, the Islas or, um, I'm oh, trying yeah. to think. Everybody and look for Talisker, Talisker, I could see Talisker with this big time. Talisker is very yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's, yeah. he's on the 57th degree north. <laughs> 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 it's strength and it's heavenly. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that I can totally see Talisker. It'd be an interesting taste um, and how it pairs and, and what flavors you get out of both too. And, and everything. But again, we're talking Scottish food and Scottish whiskey. So they naturally all go together anyways. Um, but I want to thank you so much for coming on and telling us more about uh, the haggis. I want people to encourage folks, do me a favor. I want you to go to maskies.com right now and order haggis. Do that. They've got sheep and they got vegetarian. How simple is that? And you know what? Doggone it. It pairs well with rum and it pairs well with scotch. So what else is there? You know, you got Burns Night coming up. So here's your excuses to go out and buy haggis from Maskey's. Not the other people or anybody else. Shop American. Shop U.S. Maskey's. Do it right now. So <laughs> is that enthusiastic there enough for you guys? I love it. <laughs> Um, and for anybody wondering or saying or hearing, oh, this isn't real haggis. It, it, is. it is. This is real haggis. Um, we actually did a um, a haggis journey on one of our last trips to Scotland, um, mm -hmm. where uh, I, I sampled 24 different haggis. Oh my goodness! As we traveled around the country, and I had tasting notes, um, you know, listing everything from the flavor profile to the oil to the you know what type of organ meat was used. Wow. Always trying to improve. And, so oh, yeah. And, and, and I found one that was just exceptional out of those 24. Uh, and it actually tasted very much like ours. Mm -hmm. uh, it turned out that it was the biggest selling haggis in Scotland. Awesome. And yeah, awesome. so that's probably why the Scottish government bought our haggis, too. Because <laughs> so it's in the United States. You guys have got it made. I mean, you guys, you, the. Like I said, I've tried some haggis just here and there and everything, but I really appreciate what you sent me, and I'm looking forward on and cooking up the vegetarian. But I really appreciate that I had enough there to really work with it 
and make three different styles of haggis and kind of explore it and everything instead of just getting a little slice or whatever taste or something like that. You guys are very generous with sending us a, a pound of it each. And uh, I'm looking again forward to the vegetarian and what I can do with that as well. So sure. folks, do me a favor, make sure that you go to maskies.com. That is M-A-C-S-K-I-S.com. Check it out, go there, and just tell them that Raymond Moore from Real Men Wear Kilts sent you, and buy your haggis now. Burns Night's coming up. And then also, you gotta think about St. Patty's Day. Okay, St. Patty's Day, you don't really normally have haggis, but hey, let's don kilts and eat haggis anyways. What the heck? So, folks, we'll see you. Goodbye. God bless. So much fun having you here. Thank you so much to the, to the masky folks out there, and we'll see you. And kilt on. Wow, has this been a great show or what? I mean, we're looking at an hour and a half at this show. And this is probably one of our longest yet. But look at the two interviews that you had, as well as the incredible music that we've been able to play. Have you been able to guess the music theme? If you do, do me a favor and private message me, and we'll talk about it. See if you got it or not. I'm going to give away a nice little grab bag of stuff from Real Men Wear Kilts to the person who contacts me first with this theme that uh, I have kind of selected for this show's and uh, be interesting, see if you can get it or not. But you'll listen to the music again, Hilton Lincoln, and then also uh, Gordon Duncan is providing the music. There was something about their two musics or their two songs that they played that has a certain theme to it. Get that theme to me and you might be the winner. So do that. Uh, Wanna thank also Andrew Lyon and the Manskies uh, for being on the show with us and having a wonderful time. Great time with Andrew, got to know him even more and I'm looking forward to interviewing Sarah down the road. And then also I appreciate Manskies, Scottish Foods and Highland Gear for being on with us. That was Vince and Morgan, and just a wonderful time there with them. Folks, if you don't have your, your haggis yet, go get it from them, matskies.com. Check it out. You'll love it. So my name is Raymond Moore, and we'll be seeing you here soon. Goodbye, God bless, and tilt on. <laughs>